There is treasure in and beyond your pain. What you seek is seeking you, beloved. To feel, transmute and alchemize pain is your power. And this power is within you right now. If you'll only give yourself permission to access it. To tune in to the truth of who you are. To allow the healing of your soul. Self-healer. Rise. Hi beloveds and welcome back to Beautifully Empowered. I am so excited to be sharing a conversation I had with Dr. Yahia on esoteric astrology. Dr. Francis Yahia is a licensed mental health counsellor using Jungian techniques such as mythology, archetypes and symbolism to help clients understand and transmute their subconscious wounds. She has a PhD in mental health counselling and educational leadership from Barry University and Yahia combines a spiritual background with a mental health education to create a unique perspective on consciousness coaching. Dr. Yahia's methods help clients identify the destructive narratives they've built their lives upon, reconstruct that story, build a new healthier foundation. She is author of The Seven Gates and Witch Bitch. She is also president at Hidden Truths College of Metaphysics, where she teaches consciousness coaching, a method to become free from conflict and emotional pain in order to live purpose and achieve happiness. I really enjoyed this podcast conversation with Dr. here, and we focus a lot on the sun, moon and rising aspect of astrology. We talk about the, the history of esoteric astrology, what is esoteric astrology and its purpose. Here talks about the moon matrix and what we understand in the womb as our definition of love, the incongruences in our birth charts, the connection between our moon sign and our inner child, the necessity of the ego and personality, how to use astrology for healthier relationships, birth charts and free will, the low and high nature of the zodiac and how to integrate our animal nature to experience higher consciousness, the path of esoteric astrology of course and so much more and I really learned a lot about this and it was really a humbling experience as I shared quite a lot of my birth chart within this podcast and so you'll find out a bit more about me. I think if you're a water sign or a fire sign this will especially resonate because we do talk a lot about our own birth charts and both Tia here and I have very similar birth charts. In general I think everybody can learn from this podcast especially if you just want to know esoteric astrology in particular and I really hope you enjoy this and yeah this this podcast is really interesting and I'm really happy to share it. I do understand there's a difference between like esoteric in a standing of the, the rising sign but for me my ego is very Leo even the way that I dress is Leo which gives people the like impression that I'm very fiery which I am in the world but I think that's to protect my Cancer Sun and especially my Scorpio Moon. It's a guard that I've got. Absolutely. Yeah, I do that too. So in esoteric astrology, the ascendant is the only sign in which you can raise consciousness. So when we talk about raising vibration or transmuting limiting thoughts, the only way to do that, according to esoteric um astrology is through that, that rising sign. So because we share the watery sun and moon, we show this sort of fiery personality, but then we go, as we were talking before, to retreat inward, to kind of almost like recruit. And I love that you said sort of to protect. I find that too. And that isn't that the word of cancer, right? My moon, your sun, I find as water, and I don't know, maybe with your Scorpio moon, you're a little less, but I have so much Pisces in my chart that 
I find I want to merge so much with another. And that if I don't use that Sagittarius to almost like give somewhat of a boundary that I will just be merged and just, you know, kind of get lost in that. And it's been almost like you use the word ego for me. It's a somewhat of a defense mechanism to, to -hmm. protect myself in that. Now in an esoteric lens, that's still ego or personality, but it's not raising consciousness. So it's actually a higher vibration of Leo for you and a higher vibration of Sagittarius for me that keeps us from what I like to say, tiptoeing around our throne. It's when we integrate fully the Leo or the Sagittarius that we sit on our throne and we own our power and we actually transmute limiting thoughts and we raise the vibration in this lifetime, the octave that we're allowed to. So it's, it's an interesting interplay. I remember the day that I got it, that I was like, oh, that's the part of the Sagittarius that I've been (laughs) avoiding. (laughs) And it's not easy. If it were easy, we would all be, you know, sort of living our our highest vibration and we're not. I remember the day I was sitting here and I was like, that's what it is that I have been sort of tiptoeing around and it it started to change everything. So it's Mm. an interesting viewpoint of the, of the ascendant in esoteric astrology compared to, to other philosophies. When you said that you merge, oh, absolutely. But because of my Scorpio moon, I don't allow myself to do that with a lot of people because there's, um, I'm very scorpionic. <laughs> uh, yeah, very, Scorpio very Leo is a very, very yeah. powerful combination, Ooh. my friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm I want all you on my right side. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am, yeah, I'm very scorpionic. And what I don't mean that I go around, you know, stinging people with my pedipalp. However, I used to do that. But I have learned to kind of like, you know, alchemize a lot of my pain and turn it into power. But I'm definitely still not the, um, phoenix i would say like i'm you know trying to be a bit more of the the eagle where you know you might swoop down on your prey but then you fly back up again (laughs) so but when you were talking about the merging it's kind of like i do feel that if i allow myself to invite someone in because i think like my my cancer personality is very very soft in comparison to what i'm really like so if i if i'm connecting with somebody on that emotional level and it's you know a compatible connection if they allow me to bring them a bit deeper into the abyss of the ocean and they they want to they like that drowning that death that rebirth then hey that's when i merge the history you asked a bit about about in your questions a little bit about the history um and then i'll tell you where i veer off from that so the term is actually from alice bailey alice Mm -hmm. bailey is one of the theosophists and she has a book called Esoteric Astrology. You can find that on, on my book list. <laughs> okay. You can find that at Lucis Trust. And she talks about the seven rays. She talks about all the different vibrations of the different um, planets and so forth. However, the, the, the takeaway piece, which is what I have integrated into my philosophy and, and, and how I read, is that there is one common thread throughout the entire chart. And so it's the soul's journey that is woven into the chart that Mm -hmm. is layered and somewhat suffocated at times because of the personality. And so any way you read the chart, if you understand the esoteric nature, 
your intention is to find that one thread and pull at that one thread. So there's many ways to do it. The way that I prefer to do it is I identify the myth of the sun, the moon, and the ascendant. That myth Mm -hmm. tells me the thread. Another way to do it is to look at the sun and moon and identify. So you could look at archetypes. You could look if there's a, a stellium in a particular place in the chart. For instance, if someone is very top heavy in the 11th house, that's going to be a focal point. The thread is going to be community service and maybe balancing that with individuation and self in the opposite house, which is the fifth house. So there's many ways to identify that one thread, but that is the key thing with esoteric astrology is that your soul comes with what we call in depth psychology, a teleos a mission, a purpose, and the ego and personality is not to be eradicated, impossible, but that the personality and the ego through the archetypes, through the descriptors in the chart, what we were talking about with the ascendant are to support the soul's journey, not weigh it down. And so you start to make a distinguishing factor between someone's soul and what they're here to do and the essence of who they're here to be. And what weighs them down from a personality or an archetype or an ego sort of nature. And so I call this finding the incongruence in the chart. Every chart has an incongruence. There are two opposing uh, thoughts, perhaps, or opposing messages in the chart. And the soul's journey is to be able to integrate those two so that that person could live out whole. And Mm. at a raw, raw space, just for the simplicity of it, it is having the soul, the individuation, the teleos, the divine will or purpose, however you want to call that, dictate the lifetime. And the ego and the personality and the veils and the archetypes and the planets take a, a ride along with the soul's journey. And integration is necessary so that your essence and your soul can shine through, but colored by all of your placements and, 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 and the transits help, but the, the aspects and so forth. So that's the overriding thematic of esoteric astrology. The other thing Mm. is that in esoteric astrology, and you touched on it briefly, is identifying your lowest, lowest nature. And so every sign, and you mentioned the eagle and the phoenix, which are the, the higher vibration, higher consciousness of Scorpio, every sign has low level consciousness and high level consciousness. And we indeed, <laughs> most people don't like this, start this journey at a low level consciousness with these yes. planets, with these archetypes, specifically our sun, moon, and our ascendant, and part of the soul's journey and the lifetime and the transits and, and all the cycles as we age is to go round and round the zodiac and say, oh, there are other options for how this archetype or this veil or this planet can live out and let me try on a higher vibration for size. So Mm. your stinger exists, right? You you recognize it, you don't deny this, but Mm. you know that there is an option, a high vibration or a higher consciousness option for the Phoenix and for the Eagle to have 
a space mm-hmm. in your perspective around your moon. So we start to identify that perspective and perception, raising consciousness vibration is all a choice. Yes. And that is ultimately what any spiritual path is about. Learning to choose, making choices that support you rather than self-betray, that offer self-love in alignment with your values rather than a self-hatred or a self-betrayal. That's why I love this concept around astrology. And a lot of people want to hear that the Venus in the second is that they can make money in a beauty industry. And yes, that (laughs) is a traditional view or a very piecemeal view, as I call it. Esoteric astrology is holistic, quantum, if you even like, where you are a part of the bigger picture, the entirety of all of this. And everything is found in your chart. Every person, every place, every situation is all there. And you're sort of this aspect of this larger thing and your choices impact others and the larger scheme of the world. So for instance, you want to change the environment, you change yourself, you clean up your thoughts. Mm -hmm. If you want to clean up the oceans type of thing. So it's very holistic. It's not piecemeal, not to say that traditional is, but what I tend to find in traditional astrology is that it's, it's more piecemeal like that. And that's fun. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the learning curve, but for astrology to to be, in my opinion, the best self-help tool that exists, it's being viewed that way. I can shift my vibration. I start off as my lowest nature and I have these choices where I can honor my divine will, my purpose, my soul, and live in a higher, in a higher consciousness. I love what you said about esoteric astrology being about choice and those, you know, learning to support us rather than it being about self-betraying. Because I think like, even as a Scorpio moon, it's incredible. But as I've been working with esoteric astrology, I have definitely seen how my consciousness has been elevated in terms of how I actually deal with intimate relationships and literally using that petty part to hurt people in the way that I know that I've been hurt. And in my choices now, if I even want to react in that way, I often sit back and ask myself, but why do you want to do that though? And it's not like it's eradicated that, but it has given me that broader perspective of okay, just look from within yourself. Do you want to do that? Do you want, Do you actually want to make that choice? And that's what's so beautiful about esoteric astrology. So beautiful. And that's such a beautiful share because it shows that you're recognizing your lower nature, right? What mm-hmm. Alice Bailey, my preferred book, if, if you want a book list, put this one on. <laughs> it's <laughs> The Labors of Hercules. So a okay. lot of the things that I, that I teach and write and, and is available to your listeners for free on my YouTube, on my website, are rooted in the labors of Hercules. Hercules from a mythological perspective, and that's one of the things I love about esoteric astrology is that we look at the planets as archetypes, aspects of ourselves. In mythology, they're our own personal pantheon. So Hercules is a great example because like us, he has a divine nature and a human nature. And his way back home to Olympus is by integrating these 12 labors For us, it's the 12 archetypes in the chart. Mm -hmm. So Alice Bailey's 
her, uh, Labors of Hercules, I find to be such a beautiful masterpiece. That that text, and it's free online, but it's it's just an amazing, amazing piece of of literature in the sense that it explains our journey step by step using astrology. And so, the moon, for instance, you're talking about you have that stinger. You're not unaware of your low nature. Hercules is sent on these, these trials due to his lowest nature. Out of a fit of rage, he killed his family. Mm-hmm. And he is put on this path to challenge all of these aspects of himself as we are. So when Mars is transiting or Neptune is transiting or Pluto is transiting, we're trying on our one soul's journey, that one thread on for size from all of these different archetypes or labor perspectives. So for instance, your moon, you recognize the stinger is there. This is not about eradicating your human nature or your lower consciousness, because that stinger is going to serve you when you need it. Yes. However, it is about the choice to choose when it's in your highest interest to know that you have an option, that you're not destined to just sting because like the little adage says it's in your nature and in terms of new age philosophy that's one of the issues that i have is that a lot of new age is is selling or implying i should say that the highest nature is the only nature or Mm. only turn the other cheek and 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 be a light worker and 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 it's not true you you cannot one of my favorite sayings is you cannot go to a sword fight with a butter knife. You'll get killed. And so (laughs) that stinger serves you when it needs to. And yet when you can bring someone and invite them in deeper and darker and more mystical and merge with them, that also serves you. And it's knowing based, and this is why it's not self-betrayal based on your value system, based on yours, no one else's, when to use either version of your consciousness. It's all about your soul's journey. It's what's right for you. It's what you have deemed the way that you're going to live that honors yourself. And in Mm. turn, then you can be of service because the opposite of self is surface. And and again, it's balancing both as truths. So I just want to speak on the moon a second. Yes, please. I wrote a book called The The, uh, Hidden Truths, The Shadow Side of the Mother's Love. And every moon sign in there is, it speaks to the lowest consciousness. From the chart, when we are looking at the chart holistically, quantum, esoterically, you start with your moon. Your moon matrix is what you understood in the womb to be your definition of love. It is indeed associated with pain. So that is what you seek in intimate relationships until we evolve and grow and seek Mars or Venus. So the fact that you can identify that it would meet your need to sting this person because it would make you feel better already speaks to the highest consciousness that you're not going to seek the pain, but rather you're evolving into love. 
And again, it's not eliminating the stinger. It's not eliminating the low consciousness. It's recognizing that perhaps at this moment with this particular person, it will not meet my need, but rather cause me pain as the womb experiences for everybody. All we learn in the womb, which is linked to our moon sign, is what our mother experienced in the womb and the fetus understood that as love when really it was pain. So if the mother over overworked, for instance, or was overly ambitious, but couldn't meet her goals because she was pregnant and her water broke on the day of the big deal, she might have a moon in Capricorn, for instance, no matter what your moon sign is, it's, it's how you identify love and pain. So the higher vibrations of that sign get you out of your own way to have more healthy healing relationships. And it's not about eradicating, but about choosing. And the fact that you share that shows so like such growth and such awareness that when you can use it to benefit you and, and, and deepen and evolve a relationship, your moon actually works for you rather than hurting you. And I call it the shadow side of the mother's love because yes, you got some needs met in the womb, but you did not get all of them met. And if you only seek the moon sign for love, then you're actually seeking not only painful relationships, but actually relationships that don't really fulfill. So it's a trick of the moon from an esoteric standpoint. Um, the matrix, the trick of the mother. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, if you think, of, oh, go ahead. No, I, I don't even want to take anything from you. I just literally was just having a moment there because as a Scorpio moon, one of the things that I've experienced, this is me going wrong on my podcast and I do that anyway, is that intense relationship is relationships is what I crave but they also bring me pain. So I avoid them. And what you just said there really resonates. So think of the moon, the moon changes sign every day and a half, two days, it changes phases. That's where we have by sign and by house, how we change the face and we change how we show up for that person to get our needs met. And if we are adapting to a situation, and adaptation is obviously important, but for adapting daily, moment by moment, simply to get an emotional hit, to get our needs met, we're never going to be sustained. It's not, it's not sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you draw into the intensity, but then you pull away for the fear. One of the things, if you don't mind me sharing about the Scorpio moon in particular, Yes, the Scorpio, go ahead. <laughs> the Scorpio moon, one of the one of the nuggets from that book is the mother, and this is for all water moons, but specifically this piece for the, the Scorpio. In the womb, mom knew everything I needed at all times. So if you're in relationship, not only romantic, but mainly romantic, and you actually have to tell your lover and ask and request what you need you actually take that as an offense. They should read my mind. They should know <laughs> because mom knew. And so imagine the difficulty, the moment you have to share, the moment you have to be vulnerable and open, that's it. They lost you because they should have known. And so it keeps you in that cycle that you shared of intensity yet avoidance because, well, you should have known. <laughs> I will give another piece of information that I share in that book. The moon sign 
only give it to yourself, to your inner child. Give yeah. every other person the opposite sign. I've heard you say that in one of your videos, and I actually wrote it down in one of my uh, shadow workbooks. That, that's literally changed so much within my own journey. So thank you. Can you please say that again? You're welcome. That is such a good nugget. So give yourself, your inner child, your moon sign, and everybody else the opposite sign. So I would give everybody else Taurus. Correct. Interesting. <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness, you've given so much. So, oh my goodness. When you were talking about Cancer Stellium before, uh, sorry, when you were talking about Stellium before, uh, I have four planets in Cancer. So what does that? Um, so, yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. Where sorry. do you? Where do you have? Where do you have them? What yeah. else? So, uh, so I'm. Oh, I'm talking about my planets. Right, but what? Where's the Stellium? What house? Okay. What so, house is your sun? Let me look. It says 11. Okay. So then the stellium most likely is if the sun is in cancer and all the planets are in cancer, the likelihood is that they're going to be in 11. Maybe you have something in 10, maybe you have something in 12, but that's going to be the cluster. So first let's talk about how the chart is divided. And this will give you an idea of when we talk about personality and it's not personality versus soul. It's important that the listeners understand your ego and your personality are necessary. An identity is necessary. Individuation is necessary. Through those layers of identity, ego, personality, if managed at a higher consci consciousness, your soul will be able to, to, to shine and illuminate from there. So this is yeah. not about ego death and personality uh, destruction. <laughs> None of that nonsense. That is... Only one yes. small step on a spiritual path where we are invited to have a momentary ego death so that we can sort of straighten up our, our, our fire and then indeed come and, and live out our purpose. So there, there isn't any eradication here of anything. It's about integration. Okay. Mm. So first of all, the chart and how your planets are laid out is going to tell you some of the soul's focus. If most of your planets are laid out in the first four houses, it's going to be a very individually focused lifetime. That's my case. I always say, I don't help anybody. I don't teach anyone. I do this work for myself. And then if my clients yeah. or my listeners gain something for their own journey, great. But I am sort of focused introspectively because most of my chart is in the first four houses. Right. If yeah. most of your planets are located in the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth houses, those are the personal houses. Most of mm -hmm. the focal point of the soul's journey is going to be in interpersonal relationships, whether it's work relationships, lovers, children, marriage, business partners. And, and again, I'm just talking about the stellium that you have in, in possibly your 11th, it appears that most of your chart is going to be in what are called the universal houses. So the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th houses. So having a big stellium in that sector, a lot of your emphasis or your nurturance or your mothering or your teaching is going to be more universal. So maybe you are someone who 
very much takes care of the planet. You're about larger communities. In this case, you spread a message through a podcast. So your focal point is going to be more global. No one is better than any other person because I'm more individually focused doesn't mean I don't have a larger cause. It's just the way that I move in the world versus you. So it's important that we understand that nothing is better or worse. It's just the way the soul decided to emanate as the divine in this lifestyle, in this, in this, um, in this life cycle. So my emanation of the divine is more personal, more individual, and yours perhaps is more global and community oriented because of where you have the cluster of your placements. So that's could one just, distinction. Yeah. Could you just ask something that I don't, well, I'm still learning about astrology, so I don't know everything, obviously, but in, in my little column where it's got the sun, moon, Venus, Mars, et cetera, et cetera, it does say, um, in terms of my sun sign, it says sun, cancer, and then house 11. But then when I go to the houses, under the 11th house, it's Gemini. So I do get a bit confused when people say, when they're looking for certain houses. Do you understand what I mean? Okay, so the houses are numbered. And because Gemini is right next to cancer, it's possible that there's some overlap. Right, So it says my sun. Yeah, my son is in cancer. And then at the side of it, it says house 11 and then degree 14. Okay, yeah. So you're an 11th house sun. Uh, and that's going to be the area, the sun, wherever the sun is located, is going to yeah. be the area in which you most interact, let's say. So mine's in the fourth. I work from home. My home has always been where my business is. I'm very homey. Uh, my spirituality Pisces in, is in my home, you know, so you're going to start yeah. seeing that that becomes like your stage as Shakespeare said, right? All the world's a stage. That's your stage. <laughs> so the 11th is going to be primary. And because you've got these additional three planets in the stellium, you're going to have what's called a top heavy chart in the 11th okay. house. The opposite of the 11th is the fifth, the five eleven. those two houses that are opposite That is called an axis. The axis where you have a stellium, where you have a a top heavy cluster or stellium is going to indicate a very, very important sector in your life. So the 511, we're talking lovers, creation, children, entrepreneurship, individuation, community, service. But if you don't have anything to balance the 11th house top heaviness, guess what happens? You overcompensate, usually with your personality, in the opposite house, which is your fifth. And in your particular case, the fifth house has to do with individuation, with the soul's journey, with the the purpose and the will. So that can be an incongruence. How do I individuate when I'm so socially minded? How do I find my own personal identity when I'm so group oriented? That's going to be a question at the soul level on your chart. And it's all about asking the question that the soul came to answer. That's a big part of esoteric astrology. Because mm, mine's in Saj. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Wow. And and how in general, not in general, but like, obviously you've touched a lot on the birth chart there, but like, if you could just like, not sum up, but kind of expand on like what a birth chart actually is and, and how we understand it. Absolutely. Because I have heard 
say, I want to tie this in, but I have heard you say that our birth chart begins our spiritual journey. So let's just talk about the practicality of the birth chart for a moment. And it does depend on what type of system you're using. Um, Mm -hmm. I use a tropical placidus system. I do not use equal houses. Equal houses is more Hellenistic. And I do use equal houses for ancestral astrology, but for just regular, what I call archetypal or esoteric astrology in my practice, I use a traditional chart that way. So what happens is at the moment of your birth, daytime and place, your soul chose that exact placement of your birth chart of all of the, the, the constellations in the sky so that your soul's journey would have the most growth possible. I do want to say every single thing that is in your chart, aspecting, hard aspect, top heavy, um, you know, whether they're uh, hard aspects like squares, oppositions, everything that's quote unquote difficult or out of balance seeming in your chart is doable in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. It is free wow. will. Yes. This is not a wow. trick. This is a life map. It is not a trick. You absolutely, if you learn, if you study, if you experience, if you understand, you fl- if you apply, can absolutely integrate all aspects of the chart. It is not a trick. You are not here to, to mess up, so to speak. There's no messing up. Okay. I love that. So it's important to understand that. So people sometimes look at a chart and, and me too, as a reader, I'll look at a chart and go, wow, that's a doozy. You know, that that's normal, right? Because you're like, oh, wow, that person's going to struggle in this area. But every <laughs> single person is indeed given the chart that is for their soul to be able to answer that question they come to answer. And whether it's who am I? What am I doing here? What's my purpose? What's my will? It's all in that chart and laid out for you. And that's what's such a gift of this tool. So that's first. Now, in my philosophy, and I've written many books on the theory of how the subconscious develops, from the moment of birth, your story starts at the ascendant. So if you look at the ascendant, my case Sag and your case Leo, that Mm -hmm. begins your birth story. Let me explain why. In my philosophy, based on what I've studied in many sacred texts, especially the Vedas, the Upanishads, the soul starts, the the subconscious mind begins, the quote-unquote trouble, if you will, begins, the incongruence begins at the moment of conception. So conception, pregnancy, and birth is something every soul shares does not matter your gender, your race, your nationality. The mm-hmm. problems begin, so to speak, the view, the perspective. And that's all a chart is. All your astrology chart is, is a perspective of what the sky was manifesting as your life. That's all it is. It's your perspective of how the sky looks. It's a picture of the sky at the moment of your birth, your perspective of how you view the world different than mine, different than the next person's. That's why every chart is active and real and alive. So conception, pregnancy, and birth, we all share in the fact that we got here, not to say that the story was the same, (laughs) but the moment that you are given to mom and dad in the hospital, the birthing center, uh, the nurse, whatever, that's where perspective starts to begin the limiting thought 
and the problems occur. The room is too cold. You're out of balance. They tighten you in the blanket too much. You're out of balance. Your mother and father are fighting in the next room. You're out of balance. Your brother's jealous. You were born. You're out of balance. So imbalance begins at the moment of the ascendant. That's the birth right after the birth, the first breath. There you go. So it does indeed start your spiritual journey, albeit unconscious from that point. And if you were to follow your lifetime, not fully, but one aspect of the chart, you can read, I don't know what you have right off of the ascendant. I have Neptune and the black moon. All cycles in my life begin with a Neptune black moon. And then I go around the Zodiac and again and again and again. So it's one viewpoint of how to view the chart as a life, as a life story, if you will, spiritually. According to esoteric astrology, and this is Alice Bailey's, according to esoteric astrology, your spiritual journey, we're talking about initiation into Mm -hmm. the path, whatever that is for you, begins at the cusp of Aries. The birth of consciousness. It is when you start questioning what I call the truth of your thoughts. Mm. Aries is, according to the Hercules labor, the labor of what we call the man-eating mares. And mares are rampant thoughts running around our head, destroying us. And if we do not stop to question every thought and process every thought and see where it originates and what limiting factor it's having on us and why we're believing and what we're hiding by having that thought, We're truly never a spiritual aspirant. I'm not saying you're not on a spiritual path. Your soul has a soul and it's going to come out no matter what. I'm talking about an active seeker. A seeker understands no matter what religion, tradition, philosophy they choose, that thoughts is the first fundamental process of any change. And so Mm -hmm. in my 12 truths model, it's called the truth of thoughts. And you can see that on your chart as the cusp of Aries. So mine's on the fifth. I don't know where mine is. <laughs> okay. Um, let, me look- let me have your information and I will bring it up. Yes. Thank you. Oh, of course. So I'm going to edit like the time I was born and things like that out of the podcast, but I'll give that to you. <laughs> sure. What's your, someone- yeah. what's your birthday? Okay. Okay, so the cusp of your Aries, ooh, great, is the midheaven. Okay. The midheaven is the cusp of the 10th, and it, your Jupiter's right there. So talk about that you're in the right field um, as a teacher, <laughs> as spreading a message, mm-hmm. as bringing truth to, to thought and, 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 and just philosophies, right? Bringing them mm-hmm. to the surface so that people can ask their own questions and interrogate their own minds. And so part of your professional identity, but not only your professional identity, your vocation begins with the questioning of your thoughts at the midheaven, at the cusp of of the 10th. So that's Mm -hmm. where the journey begins, so to speak. And so wherever you have that is going to be, if you're going to, to get the Hercules labors, or if you watch my YouTube, I have truth of thought video that's going to be where you begin to question your thoughts, your judgments, 
why you have the limiting thoughts. What are you hiding by having these thoughts? So just this morning, I had a client and she's an older woman. And and we were talking about the potentiality of her dating a younger man. And so we're (laughs) we're questioning the, the thoughts and everything she's saying seems logical, but the root is what are we trying to hide? What are we trying to cover up about ourselves with a limiting thought? That's a big part of astrology. And when I present an option, I said, perhaps because you're slothful in your nature, something we can see in her chart, perhaps a younger man means you would have to be more active physically. And she's like, absolutely. Process of questioning what we think, why we think it, why we are so adamant about our perspective, hence our chart, the way we view the world is a big way of our soul answering that question and finding its will and purpose in the world. That doesn't mean that eventually you don't have to choose some identity, right? It simply (laughs) means question the one you were so easily buying into that you really were unconscious about, had no free will or say in and make it your own. So that's the purpose of transmutation and really what astrology is all about. When you choose a higher vibration of an archetype, a planet, a decanat, an aspect, now you're choosing to be that. It's fine if you choose to be gluttonous and slothful. It's fine if you choose to be ignorant or limited in your beliefs about who should have what right, but own them. This is not, oh, I was born that way. I'm simply that. (laughs) Bring no questioning to why it's serving you. So your thoughts serve you and own that. And that's okay. Mm. But we don't do that level of of inquiry. And remember, man, know thyself and ye will know the wonders of the universe. And the universe wonders are all in your chart. Mm. That's the snapshot of your head, of your soul, of your thoughts, of all of it. It's, It's phenomenal. This is a a gift that, that keeps on giving at the school. I I own hidden truths college of metaphysics, where we teach, we teach a minimum of four levels of astrology. This is a lifetime of study. There's so, so much and so many additional layers and workshops. And because there's always something to learn in your chart, it's, it's never ending. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. When you said that, I was just like, well, one of the, like the literal, um, biggest thing to ever happen in terms of like my consciousness was when I questioned the religion that I grew up in which I still have a lot of respect for it in terms of like esoteric Christianity and what I get from that but like yeah I was I I resonate a lot with your story you know you said in one of your videos that you were raised in a cult and so was I so I think we have a our birth charts are really similar and our stories are quite similar it's quite interesting actually and I um I viewed the world from this lens of this cult, which was very um, end of the world. And I had a very fearful outlook on life. And um, I read the book at the time, The Secret, but yeah, that was great. But then when I read uh, Conversations with God, which one of my friends borrowed me, I was like, it absolutely destroyed all of my beliefs, not in terms of it actually destroying it, but it, it gave me a perception that I hadn't been exposed to before and I was like whoa whoa you know what I mean Mm -hmm, absolutely yeah questioning what you said then just literally questioning why do I think the way that I do why do I think that God is male and like why do I think that 
the world is going to end and like why do I you know why do I feel these things and it was just like when you're raising a cult that focuses so much on the end of everything it's just like what's the point even beginning anything because it's just going to end you know and you used to have nightmares as a child of like god coming back and the world blowing up and like it was awful and to view the world from that lens it's like I didn't really I think that I was quite ignorant and, and we just, all are. We all are. Yeah. The ignorance isn't external. Ignorance is internal, right? Why yeah. am I this way? Why do I think this way? Why do I behave this way? Why do I believe this way? And mm-hmm. so the journey a lot the other day I was teaching my shaman class and, and one of my, my students is like, well, how do I surrender? How am I supposed to believe I'm love and light? And I said, Well, mm-hmm. first of all, you're asking the wrong question. I said, Yeah what are you surrendering to? And of course she wasn't sure. And I said, you're surrendering to your lower nature. You're surrendering to the fact that you don't know yourself. You're surrendering to something that was given to you and you just bought into because that's what you were supposed to do. So there's a huge unraveling process when you begin the journey and it has to begin with the thoughts. Because if Mm. thoughts create reality, if thoughts manifest into the materialized thing we call life, our relationship, our bank account, our health, then it has to start there. And your, your chart is perfect for what you just said. You have Jupiter in your ninth house touching the cusp of Aries in, in your midheaven. And archetypally, Jupiter is Zeus. Zeus mm-hmm. is king of Olympus. Oh. Zeus comes from Deus. Deus is Dios and Dios is God. So, of course, being given this automatic belief system, God looks this way on a throne, man with a beard, whatever it was, <laughs> begins the exact question of weight what is God or, 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 or what are my thoughts about God? So in that, in that perspective on your chart, it's, it's perfect because your Aries cusp, which starts your spiritual journey is touching Zeus or God, Jupiter. What is in the sky? What is all this about deciding you want a different philosophy, a different view of the world, a different view of spirituality because in ninth house where your Jupiter is a spirituality, what the teacher is, what the guru means. And you also have your North Node, which is your karmic future in the sign of Aries. So so perfect that you indeed went on that self-discovery process. And so surrender is not about light. We don't need to surrender to the light. The light knows exactly where it needs to go. The soul knows this is it. What you surrender to is to the personality, the labels, the ego, the layers that you thought or were given to you for whatever reason, karmically or otherwise, that you have to unfold and and, and discover and remove and play around with to discover what is the essence of you deep, deep, deep down. That's the entire journey. None of this is happening externally. People think that a journey mm. is external. There's nothing external. <laughs> yeah. It's all in oh your head. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I, I don't want to steal your thoughts or anything, but I, I do want to like get into, I mean, you've, you've 
we, we don't need to, but I did want you to touch on like the distinction between esoteric astrology and traditional astrology, just because you've said that the journey is internal. I think that's not really. So, and it's, and it's not fair to clump all astrology together. So, so let me just preface that every reader. So when I do a session, the first question I ask, have you ever had an astrology reading before? Some people say yes. Some people say no. For those that say no, specifically I explain. And for those that say yes, I explain that it could be different from what they previously experienced. So Mm -hmm. in, in esoteric, you're looking for the soul's journey. You're looking for a lower consciousness that they can surrender to. You're looking at the archetypes. The archetypes are the planets are the pantheon, depending on what it is. It could be a, a biblical pantheon. It could be a Greek pantheon, a Hindu pantheon. doesn't matter. The archetypes, the gods living in your head are all voices. And we all share the same 12 voices how they're speaking inwardly. Whereas let's just say traditional to kind of clump it all together, knowing <laughs> that not knowing that it's not the same, but just for, for just the, the, the brevity of it, yeah. the traditional astrology might piecemeal. Like I said before, yes, you have a Venus in cancer in the 11th. You obviously can have a very sweet nature. You can obviously very, be very memory or ancestrally oriented. You might like to keep the knickknacks of the family and, and, and display them. Yes. That's an aspect of, again, your personality with yeah. soul centered astrology, esoteric astrology. We're looking for the soul to be able to answer that question that the soul came to answer about who am I man? Know thyself. And all of the piecemeal or the layers, or in your case, your Mars in Leo or your Venus in Cancer, to go along for the ride, not become the ride. Oh, that's an important distinction. That's why it's holistic. And you're always seeking the one thread. And my favorite way for your listeners is identify the three gods. I use Greek mythology, the three gods each that rule the sun, the moon, and the ascendant. The relationship between those three are going to tell you that one thread. That's how I do it for clients. There's many ways, but that's my preferred way. Mm, And I was going to ask you about the importance of the sun, moon, and rising. I mean, obviously you've touched on the moon and the rising a lot. Um, Archetypically, could you give an example of, of a sun, moon, and rising in terms of mythologically that thread? Sure. So I am a sun in Pisces and Pisces Mm -hmm. is Neptune. I am a cancer moon, which is Artemis. So the goddess of the hunt. And Mm -hmm. I am a Sag ascendant, which is Zeus. So I told you every chart has one major incongruence. And part of the soul's journey is to integrate. Okay. So not eliminate, but integrate the three um, gods. And sometimes people have sun, moon in the same. So depending on how many you're working with, but in my case, Neptune, Zeus, and Artemis. So just for a moment for, for sort of breaking it down into something tangible, Neptune rules the bottom of the ocean and Zeus rules Olympus. Just knowing two of the three gods, what do you think my behaviors would be if I'm at mm-hmm. the bottom, bottom of the ocean and at the top of top of Olympus in the heavens. My nature is going to be extremes. 
mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the depths of, of the ocean and hide out perhaps <laughs> and be so subconsciously, which I am right. Like motivated, yeah. but then I'm going to have these high, high highs where I'm mm-hmm. joyful and laughing and silly. And part of the journey using the moon is to find a way to mediate those two opposing gods. Mm. So that is part of mine. So you have Apollo as your, as your ascendant, which rules Leo. You've got mm. Pluto and you've got Artemis. So I don't know if you know the myth of Artemis and Apollo. Yeah. Artemis and Apollo were brothers and sisters. They were twins. And when Artemis is born, within a minute, her mother turns to her and asks her to be her midwife and says, can you help me birth your brother, Apollo? So perhaps your feminine or your midwifery or your nurturing nature is put at the forefront or, and and very, very cancer, right? The passive aggressive the, the, you know, slighted, the defensive, right? That aspect <laughs> might be resentful of your lunar nature or the masculine principle, but you have a very, very, very strong masculine principle hidden in secret in your 12th. So that's where we start to see the layers unfold, but just for the three. And so part of your entire struggle, life and death, because Pluto is the God of the underworld. Yeah. So if life, Artemis helps Apollo live and be birthed, and Pluto is about death, life has to be somewhat of a life or death struggle for you. That's going to be a thematic and the ruler of your chart. And I will say this for my style, and I do have a video on my YouTube. The ruler Mm -hmm. of the chart in most traditional schools is the ruler of the ascendant. In your case, it would be the sun. In my philosophy, it is not. The ruler Mm -hmm. of the, in my philosophy, because post birth, you start your imbalance. Yours is Pluto, even though it's in the fourth house, Pluto is the first planet that we touch coming off of the ascendant. That's the ruler Mm -hmm. of your chart. Again, transformation, crisis, death, rebirth, perspective change, the Eagle, the Phoenix, the stinger. Oh, 100%. that's how you tackle life because if you don't tackle life that way someone is going to say well birth the next person and help the next person make it and help the next and then where are you you get lost (laughs) that resonates 1000 percent. and so part of that is wait a minute yes it's fine that i can help my brother aka my brother right human nature develop Mm. and be breathe and be community 11th house but where am I? I cannot get lost in the process. So your ascendant helps you. Your Pluto yes. helps you. Because if not, you would just go to the bottom of the ocean and get lost. And that's not your path. Mm-hmm. So fighting to be seen, fighting to be on top, fighting for a voice, fighting for some difference. That is part of how your soul evolves in this lifetime. Now it's about finding the balance, right? You can't mm. kill everybody and you can't be serving everybody. You've got to <laughs> integrate. It's not about killing off one of these pieces, but rather how do they coexist amicably in your head? Because all of this is a picture of your head. This is the battleground in your head. And you also have yeah. an extreme nature, what I call a zero to a hundred, because <laughs> your, your 5'11 axis 
you have a very top heavy chart, but until I brought it up, I didn't realize your fifth house is also full. So the 511 axis is loaded with planets and there are constant odds, give, take, come, go this way, that way. And so integration <laughs> of that is, is part of your journey on this one. Wow. I've never actually had anybody look at um, my birth chart and, and say that, and basically just like talk about me. It's actually like really humbling. Thank you. Oh, of course. And, you know, I'll tell clients when I start the charts, like I'm going to focus on your hard aspects, your squares, mm -hmm. hard conjunctions, oppositions, because those are what I call the competitive voices. The collaborative voices are your strengths, your coping skills, how you deal with things in a, in a healthy way. They're strengths. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to spend an hour with someone, I want to talk to them about the places that they're having trouble, right? So the Bhagavad Gita, one of the, the, the books in, in the Hindu pantheon um, mm -hmm. or, or the Hindu mythology or, 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 you know, religion is all takes place on a battleground. Mm -hmm. And this speaks to what I was talking about, the lower nature and why I like to focus on the harder aspects, the lower consciousness of oneself, because that's where we have the problem. Krishna in the text tells Arjuna, Krishna's the Godhead representative, tells Arjuna, mm -hmm. so Hercules or the man, the, the, the human part of us, to go fight. And Arjuna doesn't want to. And he's like, I don't want to fight. And it's his family. He's like, I don't want to fight my family. And he's like, but you have to, it's your dharma. And so we think, that's why I said earlier, if you go to a sword fight with a butter knife, you're going to get killed. You have to go knowing your strengths and you have to go knowing your weaknesses. And Lao Tzu would speak to that, right? Like there isn't a book on war strategy that doesn't say know your weakness, know your, know your strengths, know your battleground, know where you're fighting, know your enemy. Like if you do not know yourself, you are going to get slaughtered in this lifetime. So, yes. So when I spend time, which sometimes I, I, you know, the raised eyebrows, well, I, Francis, I want you to tell me all the good things about, well, I'm not your reader. I'm not the one for you. You know, like that's, yeah. not, that's not what I do. Not to say that I can't sprinkle in some really good news and fun things, but if you really want a real reading. It's to know yourself. It's not for me to stroke what you already know you're really good at. And so yeah. hard aspects are the competitive voices, the voices that are confirming and reaffirming that you can't, that you won't, that you're not enough, that you're limited, that you're abandoned, that you're rejectionable, that you'll never be able to. And so don't you want to know that thing about you that makes you feel you're not enough? I mean, I do. So I just mm. assume everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so that's why I think it's humbling because that's the nature we must surrender to. When I really mm. understood my capacity to merge with another person and violate my boundaries, no. all it did was strengthen my boundaries and teach me to not self-betray. It helped me. But if I didn't know my, my issue, then how could I work through it? And so traditional astrology, I believe, and, and, and again, just clumping it all together, a lot of times the readings or the, the teachings or the schools 
are more focused on the happy-go-lucky, what I call sticky note spirituality fluff, (laughs) rather than, you know what? You have crisis and you create crisis so that you feel alive, so that you can have a voice, so that someone hears you, so that you don't fall prey to doing another person's bidding. Don't you want to know that about yours? I do. Mm. So it's like putting a mirror to oneself and, and, or asking your best friend, how do I look in this dress? And they say, great. And you could see your black underwear through the white fabric. I mean, I want to tell my friend that they have an issue in their chart so that they can work through it. Again, you're not eradicating, you're integrating, you're accepting. Then the lowest nature A, when it shows up, when you're on the battlefield, you're like, oh, I have this tool. I better use that stinger. This isn't the time. Shut it up, Francis. Slow it back, right? I want to know both sides of it. So I think we do harm in the spiritual arena, in the new age, in this this sticky note spirituality fluff that manifests in vision boards and grade and high vibration. (laughs) That is so nonsense because Mm. we're trying to eradicate the exact thing we must surrender to. And Mm. my favorite, favorite, I can't say my favorite myth because I love them all, but I think probably the most impactful myth in the Hercules, the labor of Hercules book of Alice Bailey is the Hydra mythology. And the teacher tells Hercules, we rise by kneeling. When you kneel to your hard aspects, your competitive voices, your limiting thoughts, your lowest nature. Now you can rise. Now the soul Mm. can come and do what the soul came to do. The ego and the personality take the backseat and they go along for the ride. That's the importance of speaking to the truths of our hardships, the truths of our emotions that put out our fire, the truths of our lowest nature, not sticking it under the rug. That is fluff. And that doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The world. The, um, oh my goodness, I love that. The, is it Nico from Velvet Underground? Nico. Um, She said, I'll be your mirror. And she's a cancer son. Sorry, cancer (laughs) Yeah. It was really funny when we were talking about like, Mirrors, because I think like water signs, they totally mirror you, you know. Oh, but what you just said, yeah, yeah, what you just said there was just phenomenal. Because I and, do think there's this kind of like bypassing in the spiritual community, you know, like yeah, right. And it's we're doing a disservice. We're doing a disservice when we bypass our lowest nature. If I wow. see something in your chart that is dangerous, that can harm you, that can get in your way of achieving something beautifully. It's like an obstacle that I'm pretending isn't there. Then I'm being just as deluded as my client. My job is to bring a little clarity. Now, when you're out and about in the world, you don't necessarily know. So my go-to is what am I judging? What don't I like about that person? That's the mirror for me. And I can go to my chart and find that in which I judged 
in my chart. So if you're unable to see it right off the bat, because you're just studying, you're just practicing, or, or you're still excited, right? It's very exciting when you start this. Everybody wants the fun, the tarot, the crystals, the pendulum. We've all been there, right? I'm talking about the next level of growth. Yes. That's usually when people get to me. After they've done the fun, they're like, okay, Francis, now what? And that's where I take over, right? So after you've kind of gone through that, if you're, if you're struggling because you don't know enough or, or start with that basic question, when you're involved with someone, what are you judging? What is the criticism? Find it in yourself and then go to your chart by archetype, by house, by planet, by aspect, find where you have that. That is one of the things I did very early on. I had a life-size uh, chart printed at a local uh, office supply store. It was literally the size of like, the wall in my kitchen. It was huge. And when I would meet people and I judge stuff and I wasn't sure I was just starting out, I would go and I would find the planet or the placement. I'd be like, Oh, I do have that. So <laughs> I use the mirroring, you know, technique to help me discover and learn more about my, my lower nature and, and my aspects and my chart. So mm -hmm. It's all about self-discovery at the end of the day. Every single person is just a projection of you and your chart is the layout of the land of the war going on inside your head. Hmm. And, oh my goodness, that's beautiful. Where does, because I want to be mindful of your time, but I really want to ask this question. Um, I think you, you really have already touched on this, to be honest, no, I think you already have. Where our birth chart shows our subconscious wounds and how we can transmute them is that to do with the mother and the trick of the womb. That's the beginning. So I have yeah. a book called Spiritual Adulting. And what I did was I took the 12 archetypes in the chart and I put them in the order so that you can identify where you are in the process. The mm -hmm. first archetype is the caregiver, is the moon. And the order of the placements of the planets is simply the speed at which they move. This is not rocket science. So the moon, then the sun, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, uh, Neptune, Pluto. And then I put Chiron and Black Moon at the top of the map for asteroid purposes, because those are the 12 I use in my particular practice. So... If you move through that, if you're, if you're starting to get to know yourself and you want to start unveiling, so to speak, the layers around your soul, that's a good, a good uh, mechanism because the moon is from the womb and then the sun is your rational mind. The mercury is like your delusion and your illusions of how you trick yourself or manipulate in the world. Mars is the ego and uh, perhaps how you get validated with things or, or, or intellect or whatnot. Venus is uh, erotic love or, or, or how you think you're going to get approval or love. Jupiter is going to be maybe your seeking archetype or how you move in the world spiritually and, and philosophically. So each one of these archetypes and I have a free chart on my website and on my YouTube. So your listeners can see, I have a video for each one of the archetypes with each of the four levels for each archetype. So all of this is free on my YouTube and my, my website. I'll link um, it, yeah. So it's, it's all there. But I have a, a chart in Spiritual Adulting and, and a few of my other books where I give the planet or the archetype and the four levels. So 
you can go and see how you're living out that particular archetype in the highest consciousness, all in the lowest consciousness, all the way to the highest consciousness, so that you can start to play around and practice and choose how you want to show up in that. So for instance, every archetype has a shadow archetype. Mm. So for instance, the seeker archetype, which would be wherever you have Jupiter, that's going to be someone who has a tendency to escape. That's going to be someone who wants to constantly be maybe going to retreats and seeking teachers and never actually settling in to do the work, to apply the work. So now you can start to identify not only the levels of consciousness so that you can live it in the highest vibration, you can also call BS on yourself when, and I'm going to pick up <laughs> you for a minute. <laughs> Jupiter, Go ahead. Jupiter in the ninth. How do you travel to escape? How do you seek teachers and gurus to escape? How do you seek incessantly that it's never enough? Rather oh. than putting yourself you know, kind of down and settling in and looking at your roots and your lowest nature, because the shadow to the seeker is the caregiver and the caregiver at the roots is the moon. The caregiver at the root is the family consciousness, the low level consciousness, what you inherited that you still haven't called BS on. You might see it in your family, but you don't realize that you're just as low consciousness as them. So each of these archetypes have a shadow aspect. And when we stop to actually call ourselves out on it, the antidote is in the shadow. It's all mm-hmm. in the chart. It's all given to us. There isn't, there, there's nothing to, to go outside and seek. It's all internal. But raising consciousness is the purpose of a lifetime. And if you go archetype by archetype, planet by planet, aspect by aspect, and you make that your study, you're going to constantly be working towards something internally. It doesn't matter what your external life looks like. Internally, you're going to be working your own sort of soul's journey because this is an inward Mm -hmm. process. It's not external. We're not here to yell and scream at the rooftops to anybody. It's for us. That's just so beautiful. There's so many golden nuggets. (laughs) Like I literally... You know, when I first subscribed to your YouTube YouTube channel, I was just like, oh my goodness, I have to contact this woman. And I was like watching your videos for like ages. There's so much. There's so much. I have um, started making smaller videos for those of you that are newer. You can look at the shorter ones and then there are hours and hours. It's metaphysics. It's universal law. It's spirituality. It's all philosophies. It's all mythologies. I have spent my entire life studying the sacred texts, the commonalities, the myths, these archetypes. I'm fascinated, fascinated with how we're all the same, yet we're such different emanations of the divine and how every person we interact with is emanating back something to me. And I want to know. And so there's so much content Please, your listeners, feel free to reach out to me. My website is loaded with workbooks that are from my books that are on Amazon, but the workbooks are there for you to work through. Inner Child, Slumber Party Workbook, the Spiritual Adulting Map, the Levels of Consciousness, everything's available to you because I want to spread true spiritual education. 
And I think that we are in need of true spiritual education. And then you take what serves you and you leave the rest. But I think it's time to disseminate more truth in spiritual education rather than jumping on the bandwagon of how exciting all of this is. This is work. This is a functional purpose of a lifetime. So it's not going to be easy if this is what your soul came to do. So that's what I'm trying to just add to the marketplace. Not to take away the magic. I love the magic. I love the magic. I love the mystery. But someone once said to me, and I really thought that was such a great summary. He called me to, to take my 12 truths class. And he's like, I don't want the wow. I want the how. And I loved that. We start off with the wow, right? The crystals, the Reiki, the records, the astrology, (laughs) all the fun stuff. And I am all about that. Do not get me wrong. I am a Pisces at heart. Unicorns (laughs) and rainbows are my jam. Okay. But I want to bring more of the how. So I wrote a book, the Hidden Truths book is about the eight laws of the universe. And then I I took what I call sticky notes spirituality, and I took sticky notes like manifesting, co-creation, the the, the taglines, and I explained it from the root of the universal law, why it's true, what we're touting, and why it's false. And so that's the type of education I want to bring. That is my soul's purpose. That is my telios. And this is just my contribution. So for your listeners, please have fun. If you're looking for something specific, you can't find, I'm sure I have a worksheet on it or a workbook or something. Reach out to me with pleasure. I am here to spread truthful spiritual education. So you have a strong foundation and then go from there. It's your, it's your journey. Absolutely. And if you want to share any links with me, just share them and I'll put them in the link description. So anyone that's listening, on sure. Apple Podcast or Spotify, it'll be linked in there. So just send me whatever you want to send. Excellent. Yeah. And I do, I don't, I don't record it any longer, but there are seven seasons for those that are really interested in, in the astrology. Um, my podcast is called Mistress of the Subconscious. And there's a lot of not only subconscious stuff that I've created in my books and theories, but there's several episodes on astrology, on every moon sign on different aspects. So if you're just beginning, those particular episodes might be really short and sweet to get you to the point. And I'll send you the links to the website, the school's website, if you want to take workshops or classes as well. And again, the the books are all, the workbooks are all downloadable on my website, but I'll provide you with those links. If you can post those, that'd be great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so great. I know. I love the work you're doing. Thank you. Oh, thank you. God bless you. You too. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.